Hey there, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Reading Project Podcast. I'm Ashley and your host and your reading tutor. I'm super excited for today's guest and I can't wait to chat with her more about beginning readers and struggling readers. But before we get too much into that, make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. It's a great way for more families just like yourself to find the Reading Project Podcast really means a lot to me. I love reading from um, reading the reviews and hearing from you about what connections you're making and what you're liking. I would also love it if you would take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and share it in your stories on Instagram and tag me at your reading tutor. Okay, today we're going to be talking with Lori and Lori is a certified level Orton Gillingham practitioner and she has over 35 years of experience teaching in public, private and homeschool settings. She has strength in reaching kids with learning disabilities and is also a dyslexia therapist. She knows that children learn best when they're relaxed and happy, comfortable making mistakes because learning is a process and it's important to celebrate progress over perfection. She has been a private tutor for years and she's always looking for the best way to show students what they're they're doing right and where they're excelling so that she can also help them to understand what they need to practice. All right, let's go. Hey there, welcome to the Reading Project Podcast, where I help you build stronger readers one episode at a time. I'm Ashley, and your reading tutor. My experience as an online tutor, classroom teacher, and the mother of a reluctant reader has allowed me to bring a fun and effective approach to building stronger and more confident readers. I created the Reading Project after working with dozens of families in my business that needed support in helping their readers at home. I want parents and caregivers to know that you don't have to be a teacher to help your struggling reader. I'm here to help with book suggestions, homework tips and tricks, tools and ideas for tackling reading, writing, and spelling work at home. I am on a mission to help you develop a culture of literacy and a love of stories with your children. Let's do it. All right. I am so excited to be here for today's episode of the Reading Project podcast. Season two has just been amazing. So if you're just joining us for the first time, make sure you scroll back and look at some of the past episodes from season two because we've had some really amazing guests. And we have another amazing guest with us today, and her name is Lori. Welcome, and thanks for being here, Lori. Thank you, Ashley. This is really exciting. I'm thrilled with your Reading Project podcast. I think it's amazing, as you said, and uh, it's just been a real motivator for me too to recognize that you know so many parents are looking for information yeah well thank you so much and that's really what you know that's why it was started and what we're here for we want to provide just more accessible information for families that are just trying to understand what their kids are going through and how they can help them Mm -hmm. so why don't you go ahead and get started by telling us a little bit about your just your educational background your experience sort of where you are in the world and how you got there. (laughs) Where I am in the world and how I got here. Well, I'm in New Orleans, Louisiana. Oh, very cool. I've been there. (laughs) Yeah, good. Um, I currently uh, do private tutoring online and in person. And um, I've been doing this since 1981. But primarily after I got my master's degree is when I really started tutoring. Um, I taught for three years in a small school here in New Orleans, and I was teaching sixth grade, and I loved it. 
but I realized that I really wanted to get a master's and I thought I was going to get a master's in social studies because I love history and I thought I'd love to teach history to junior high and high school kids because I could make it interesting and exciting and it's not boring. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, you know, but if they can't read the history book or the handouts that I give them, that's going to be a problem. So maybe I should just learn how to teach people reading because then I could, you know, use that anywhere. And uh, I went to Boston and got my master's as a consulting teacher of reading at Leslie College, and that was a great experience. And that's where I was first really exposed to formal instruction in linguistics and bibliotherapy, which I'd love to talk a little bit about, and Orton-Gillingham and structured and systematic phonetic instruction in reading. And that's where I got started doing tutoring. So that was a long time ago. Yeah, but in all wonderful. of those years, when you think about that stretch of years, I've really only taught about seven, maybe I think seven years in an actual formal classroom setting. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is cut out to be a classroom teacher. And I am one of those people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I love it. that. You know? I, I agree with you. I feel the same way. And I I love teaching. Mm-hmm. And that is why I love having my own tutoring business so much, just because it allows me to still continue to teach and connect with families and struggling students, but not have the, not within the confines of the, the public yeah. school system. Um, because my, sort of my, my tagline is that I teach children. I don't teach curriculum. So when people ask me, what curriculum do you teach? I say, I I don't teach curriculum. I teach a child. And that can yeah. be, and I have, I use multiple different variations of the same type of program. It's multisensory and phonetic and systematic and developmental and explicit phonics based because right. that's the best way. Right. That's what that they call the science of reading now. But there's yes. lots of programs out there. So I agree with you. I'm the same way. When someone comes to me and says, are you a, like a specific program tutor I I say no I'm familiar with that program and I maybe use some of those materials or those activities but I really just pull from lots of different resources because that allows me to customize it to your child right exactly (laughs) exactly I'm always like I'm a little bit of a rebel in that way (laughs) well you and me we're in the rebel boat (laughs) that's right exactly we're the fun (laughs) yes exactly those well-behaved women rarely make history right that's right (laughs) (laughs) So we're here today because we're going to talk a little bit more about beginning readers and struggling readers and when are they the same and when are they different. So what what is the difference between just a beginning reader and then someone who's really a struggling reader? Okay, so one thing that I think people may not um, may not recognize or may not know, and I'm pulling this from one of my curriculum books, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, quote unquote is that 60% of students who start reading find it challenging, mm-hmm. 60%. Um, reading is not a natural, instinctive thing like language. And so when children first start to try to make that sound-symbol relationship, um, it, it's not a natural thing in, in their brains. So mm-hmm. we have to teach them how the strategies of how to make those associations. So... If you notice that your, say, your preschooler is having difficulty, you know, you're doing uh, rhyming, mother goose rhymes or any other kind of poetry or, or songs or anything where there's rhyming words, if they are struggling with actually hearing the sounds and working with the rhymes and making rhyming words, that could be a problem with auditory processing, maybe. Mm-hmm. 
if they have difficulty remembering, you know, you, you start practicing with letters and letter names and A, B, C. If they have trouble with reciting the alphabet or even remembering the letters in their name, those are, are you know, things to watch. doesn't mean they're going to fail at reading in kindergarten. It just means that these are things to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a couple of things that as they get into kindergarten and first grade to really be aware of is that the foundation of reading is phonemic awareness. And that just means being able to hear the sounds the way that they are spoken and understand when a sound begins, when a word begins, when a word ends. So if a child is having difficulty with the sort of there's a natural flow to our language, and if they're having trouble with that linguistically or you think they need speech and language therapy, that can also piggyback onto developing into reading problems. Kids that have trouble hearing the syllables in a word, that's usually where people start is with syllables. If your kid's having difficulty breaking the word, if you say table, how many syllables in table, and you're actually saying it in syllables, and mm-hmm. they don't process it that way, mm-hmm. that's something to really be aware of. Right. And then the next step in that is first you're breaking the words into beats or syllables. And then you're breaking simple words into sounds. Mm-hmm. So if you say cat, cat, oh, what's the first sound? And your kid says, but you know, they're not they're not making that connection. So phonemic awareness is really the basis for a lot of the issues that start with struggling readers in the beginning. Right, right. And all, all readers, right, start out as beginning readers. Exactly. And as you are watching them learn how to read, you should be seeing progress, right? So if your child fits into that like 60%, right, that they might find it challenging or difficult, that's okay, right, at certain points in development. Yes, exactly. We don't expect kindergarten children to recognize and be able to distinguish clearly all the consonants and the vowel sounds until well into the second half of kindergarten. Right. So, right. you know, now I was one of those kids that I don't know how I learned to read. I think it was just because I had my father and mother read to me a lot. And for some reason, I figured it out. Yep. That's about 5%. 5% uh-huh. of the population, it's that easy. So I'm yep. lucky in that regard. Mm-hmm. Math. <laughs> I always tell people I'm a reading specialist for a reason. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so actually, the kids who really struggle, it's about 18 to 20 percent mm-hmm. of, of kids will continue to struggle with that phonemic awareness and developing mm-hmm. the skills necessary. Mm-hmm. So the sooner you can identify that in your child mm-hmm. and try and find help, the sooner the better. And I have started getting parents contacting me. Normally, it's been, you know, third grade and after, because that's when the schools generally start to identify kids by third grade. Mm-hmm. But I now have multiple parents contacting me whose kids are in kindergarten, first and second grade. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things they know is they had trouble in school with reading. Or older brother is not having problems, younger brother is. Or mm-hmm. my uncle Frank never could learn how to read mm-hmm. and he struggled the the kids that are really struggling that we can possibly label with learning disabilities or dyslexia i like to say they're just neurodivergent because really everybody has problems in something or another sure just more critical in reading that is they have found it's a genetic problem 
Mm-hmm. So if a parent or an uncle or a grandparent, if you can find other people that have had trouble, then you think that there might be trouble, then that's definitely a red flag. Yeah. So really, if you have a young child who's entering kindergarten or has just entered kindergarten and they they, they are a beginning reader, right? They they maybe know a few things about the mm-hmm. alphabet or whatever, but they're not reading it. I would say that that term, they're a beginning reader. They're a beginning reader. But if by the end of kindergarten, you haven't seen a lot of progress in their understanding and their ability to recognize sounds and syllables, then would you say they're they've sort of they're, you're starting to see them more as like a struggling reader at that yes. point? Yes, definitely. And okay. I think, too, one of, so one of the things that I do with children, especially well, the younger children that I'm working with now, I have letter tiles, you know, the alphabet in, in small letter tiles. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I do is we match up the tiles onto a board where they, they all look the same. And then once they're comfortable with that and they can do that, then I break up the tiles into chunks. So A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and then I give them those and I have them put those in order. Lots of kids can recite the alphabet, but if you really watch, they they stop usually somewhere around K, and then they get confused, and they have to go back to A, and then they right. get to L, and then they have to go back. And so I try to build in that fluency of just knowing the letters, and boom, 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 I can put them in order, and I know the sounds. Yeah. And they should be able to do all of the consonants. They should be able, and some of kids will be able to do what we call digraphs, so C-H-S-H-T-H, two letters that make one sound. And a lot of kids can do their short vowels and some other sounds by the end of kindergarten. But definitely, if they're still struggling with that connection between sound and symbol, you need to consider, is there a speech problem? Did they have a lot of ear, uh, ear infections when they were infants? Did they have tubes in their ears? Because that's another indicator that they might have trouble. I've seen kids that kids that had hearing difficulties as well. So, you know, having all the checking all of those things consistently as they're growing up to make sure that that's not in their way is mm-hmm. another thing to do. Right. Okay. Great. So, how can families help their children just on a day-to-day basis? What are some things they can do if they suspect that they're a struggling reader, you know, at come end of kindergarten? You want to start strengthening that sound symbol relationship. If you can't find a tutor to help, or even there's a lot of things online that you can do. I can recommend one program in particular that I use. It's called Lexia Core 5. Mm -hmm. And I use that. I have students that I work with in private practice, and they also do that on their own, and I monitor their progress. You can do that as a parent. You can buy the program, and then you can see where your child very specific, and there's tons and tons and tons of support materials that come with it. You can print out all kinds of activities and do that. I was a homeschooling supervising teacher for about 100 families when we lived in southern Alberta. Mm-hmm. And I went to a conference, a uh, homeschooling conference, and one of the uh, presenters, someone asked that question, what's the best way to help my children with reading? And they discussed a little bit. And then a parent said, well, I read to my children every night. How Mm -hmm. long should I continue that? Because meant they can read by themselves now. And the presenter made this statement, and it stuck with me. And this is more than 20 years ago. He said, you should read to your children until they are reading to their children. Oh, I love that. I did. It really stuck. Because even, and, and as my kids grew up, you know, in middle school, in high school, sometimes they were asked to read things that were really difficult. 
And so Mm -hmm. I would read it to them and help them with the vocabulary or the sentence construction or whatever. Because if you're reading, you know, I mean, if you're reading the Declaration of Independence, it's not really an easy thing to read. (laughs) You know, speaking a foreign language, really. So that was something that you just do. You read, 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 read to them. Right. And I think like you're saying what you mentioned before about with older students, it is a little bit deeper than just reading the words on the page, but talking to them about what you're reading. And if you notice a vocabulary word and you think, oh, like, oh, hey, do you know what that word means? Like, just ask them. Yeah. My daughter is so great at just saying, you know, what does that mean? Like she she always asks, but kids don't always ask. So, yeah. That's right. Especially if they've been struggling before, they don't want to show that. So building that trust. I always tell parents when we start working together, the first six weeks is really just me getting to know your child and your Mm -hmm. child getting to know me and be comfortable. And after six weeks, you should see a shift in their comfort level. Mm -hmm. And and it's been consistent in all the years that I've been tutoring. It's like Mm -hmm. six six to eight sessions with someone who is able to help the child understand you're not lazy, you're not stupid, it's not that you can't do this. Right. There's only 26 letters in our alphabet. There's only right. 44 sounds in our right. speech, right? right? So they're speaking fluently. In fact, most of the kids that I work with are really smart, very creative, really artistic. They have very good verbal, verbal vocabulary. Right. And so I just keep pushing that. You know this. You already know this. You know what a noun is. You know what a verb is. You know that this word says house. Mm -hmm. You do. You know all those sounds. Now we just have to match it up and just keep reinforcing that that's what we're doing. Right, right. Yeah. I love that. I couldn't agree more. And I feel like that has even created a shift for me in my private tutoring practice. When I first started, I wanted to communicate the results that I could get in a short amount of time because sometimes that does happen. It does. But in the last year, I have learned that more often tutoring is is a long game, right? It's more of a marathon and that it takes, like you said, the six to eight weeks to really develop that relationship of trust Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. collaboration, Mm -hmm. especially if you have a child who's a year or two years behind where you want them to be reading. Technology has been a great thing, though, for me, because I've been able to send kids things through Gmail. Most even the little kids have a a Gmail account through Google Classroom. Uh, Right now, I have a fourth grader who a a fourth grader and a sixth grader who are sending me when they when they have to write a a summary of a story or whatever they're doing in their English curriculum. Mm -hmm. They send it to me. And then I make comments, just like I do with, I'm working with an adult PhD student who is writing her thesis and she's dyslexic and she's, you know, it's, that's a mountain to climb to do that. (laughs) But, you know, I send comments back and forth on Google Docs and the kids, easy for them, you know, by the time they get to third grade, they can manage all this. So. Right. Right. We have mentioned that in previous episodes, it's worth saying again, but what you're talking about is access to amazing educators to support and scaffold, you know, these Mm -hmm. skills for your students. So if you're out there listening and you're thinking, well, how can an online tutor help me? You've just heard a great example of a way (laughs) an online tutor can help you. (laughs) And and I told you earlier, I'm going to share a bunch of links that I send to anyone who contacts me for information. Yes. Yeah. We'll make sure to put all those links in the show notes when when the episode goes live. Absolutely. And if you have any specific graphics or things you want to share with listeners, we can also 
share those when the episode goes live on social media. All right. So what advice do you have for families with young, young children who haven't even begun to study letters or reading yet? Well, first of all, read to your children until they're reading to their children, which is Mm -hmm. going to be a long way off if they're just beginning. But just remember that. And you don't have to read just little kid books. When I was a child, I don't really remember very many picture books. There were a few, but not that many. My father read Wind in the Willows, Winnie the Pooh, Alice in Wonderland. Those were the rich literature books that had a lot of good vocabulary. I didn't always understand all of it, you know. Mm-hmm. We, he also read the, we also read the cartoons in the newspaper together. So, mm-hmm. you know, graphic novels now are all out there. I'm sure there's yeah. some that are more appropriate for younger kids. <laughs> Absolutely, um, there are, yes. <laughs> right? One, one of the things that I always emphasize is use the vocabulary of, it's not really academic vocabulary, it's more like instructional vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So, for example, make sure that your young children understand first, last, beginning, end, before, after, because then you, if they really understand those words, then you show them a word when you get to that point and you say, but this word is, or whatever, however you want to do it, what's the first letter? What's the last letter? But before you show them any words, any letters, do everything auditorily. That's the key. They have to be able to process those sounds easily before you ask them to match them up to some symbol. I went to Russia, and I spent six months learning the Cyrillic alphabet so that I could read the subway signs and know where to go to the bathroom. You know, so it's like the sound symbol relationship is all I needed to know because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a phonetic language. So that's one thing. There's another word that very young children understand at an early age, and that's the word no. I avoid that word like the play. I bite my tongue so I don't say it. So if mm-hmm. a kid says the, the horse had pumpkins on the, they're looking at the picture on the page. Mm -hmm. A horse had pumpkins in front of it. I'm like, hmm, that could say horse, but it doesn't. Let's take a look at it. Mm -hmm. I really, sometimes if I'm having a bad day, (laughs) it'll happen, you know. Yeah, sure. But I I work very hard not to use the word. No, that's not what it says. Don't don't do that. Don't do that. Right. Yes. Yeah. I try really hard to say, um, let's try that again. Or Yeah. Hmm, that didn't quite sound right. Let's look at it again. Yeah. And if they get the first sound right, or the first and the last sound right, bingo, they're on their way. So then mm-hmm. you say, oh, the first sound is, da-da. let's look at the next sound. Mm-hmm. Make as much positive experiences, many positive experiences as you can as they are developing their reading skills, because that's, I've heard different variations on this, but one negative comment, you need like 10 or 20 positive comments to yeah, balance it out balance or recover out. from it. Recover up, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's really good advice, and I, I think a lot of parents who are listening probably can relate to that or understand this idea of growth mindset. You know, yeah. we want that that term is pretty trendy right now in the parenting world, and um, and it, it applies to reading too, right? That's what we're saying here. Is that, yeah. yeah, that helping your children to develop a growth mindset in anything they do. Yeah, and part of that is understanding that making a mistake, that's how we learn. Right. That, that's right. the only way we learn. 
really. Right. Otherwise, yes, we I, already knew it. <laughs> right. Exactly. I have a student who constantly apologizes when he makes uh, mistakes, and I'm saying, you don't have to say sorry. Like, yeah. that's what we're here for. Yeah, yeah. Just me and you. It's okay. <laughs> and we all and, make mistakes. <laughs> we all make mistakes in lots of things. That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> so... I would say focusing on that language of learning is the first, the last, before, after. And then another really good thing to do is to play games with it. I would start with sounds only. So if I say, okay, we're going to do the word cat. Let's break it into sounds. Cat. Let's change the last sound to p. I didn't say p because we don't read letter sounds. We, read. Mm. we don't read letter names. We read the sounds. Mm-hmm. So I'll say, let's change the t to p. Now what, now what word do we have? And then we get us go t, cap. Yeah, awesome. Mm-hmm. So then you can change the first sound and the last sound. And there's a lot of word families that make that really easy to do that with. Do it auditorily. If, you, if they need something visual, then like using uh, different marbles or any kind of thing that they can mark mm-hmm. out three or start with three sounds or two sounds. <laughs> don't start with a five sound word that's too much right i have one student right now that she is in fifth grade and we are working on we are just beginning to work on four sounds in a word for her to be able to carefully sound out a word and right. that's a that that's a linguistic processing machine and i love the the sound game that we just sort of talked about playing with sounds mm-hmm. because you don't need materials and if your child does need yeah. some kind of a marker you could use your fingers and so you can play it in the car while you're mm-hmm. waiting in line at the grocery store or, yeah. you know, there's a lot of times where you can sort of just do a few of them. Mm-hmm. My kids will do one or two and then maybe they mm-hmm. get sick of it and we move on. But if you yeah, do, yeah. if it just becomes part of your family's culture, then it's yes. like easy to remember to do that for a few times a day. So. I love what you said about family culture, because part of my family culture, I was an only child. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I got a lot of attention. However, also men have spent a lot of time alone. <laughs> because, right. you know, I'm an only child. So at the dinner table, that was a time when my mother and my father were all three at the dinner table, and I was a very small child. So my father had a dictionary that was literally a foot and a half thick. It was like really old Webster's oh Dictionary God. from like the 1920s. That was probably his when he was in school. And this was before the age of everybody had, you know, Fisher-Price plastic chairs. And this was before, way before that even existed. Right. So post high chair, but I still wasn't big enough to sit at the table. So I sat on the dictionary. <laughs> now, if we were, if my parents were talking, my father always encouraged me to ask about words or he would ask, like you said, actually, you said, you know, what does this mean? Do you know what this right. means? And if I said no, he'd say, well, let's get the dictionary and dinner would stop and we would, I'd have to stand up. We'd open up the big dictionary, but it was really a cool mo- moment because mm-hmm. Then I would get to, I learned how to use a dictionary. My father was giving me 100% of his attention, <laughs> you know, and right. I learned a new word. Right. So family culture is hugely important. And please, parents, please. I know it's hard. I know it's hard to get off of the phones. I really do. Sometimes I see children, they just want you to interact with them. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's nobody's fault. It's just the way society is right mm-hmm. now. But I think we as adults have to make our own boundaries about what we're going to allow ourselves to do and Mm -hmm. what we're going to allow our children to do in terms of uh, being online all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was just thinking, too, about reading to your kids as you were 
speaking about family culture and making time for these things, sometimes parents feel like they don't have time to read out loud to their children. And I think that comes from a place of maybe some fear around reading out loud and also feeling like it has to be a certain way or for a certain amount of time. And I just think I want to take a moment to encourage families to read in whatever that looks like for you, you know? Yep. It might just be reading the cartoons in the newspaper or Mm -hmm. reading part of something. I did want to say something about a couple of books that my children loved when they were little. Yes, absolutely. My That's the way I like to end every episode is talking about <laughs> books. So I always ask about what's your favorite children's book or what books are your kids loving? So let's segue into talking about books. <laughs> Bibliotherapy. I love I love also teaching morphology. You know, so okay. biblio means book. Uh, we all know what therapy is. Bibliotherapy is a real thing. I learned about it. I kind of knew it instinctively a little bit that books helped you feel better about stuff growing up because you can identify with the characters. Mm-hmm. But when I learned more about it, I really, it's like art therapy or music therapy or any kind mm. of therapy, except you get to interact with the characters and you get to understand them and then see yourself in them. When I was, like I already mentioned Alice in Wonderland and Winnie the Pooh and, and the Willows and all that. But when I was 12, my father passed away when I was 12 and I was an only child. And my aunt gave me a beautiful illustrated copy of The Secret Garden. And the Secret Garden is the story of a little girl whose father is not there. And it's and she was a brat. And then she had to help someone else who needed more help than she did. Mm. And it's a wonderful story. And it made a huge difference in my life. I, mm-hmm. it, it, it healed some of the feeling of loss and the feeling of hurt that I was feeling because of, of my dad dying. And it made a difference in my life. So one book. And I'm 63 years old, and that book is still makes made a difference in my life. So it, books are powerful tools. Here's two books that my kids really liked when they were growing up. One is called Amos's Sweater. And I think one of the reasons they liked it was the very first sentence. Well, first of all, there's this picture of this very sad old sheep. That's the first, because Amos is a sheep. Okay. And the first line of the story, the first line tells you the whole story. Amos was old, and Amos was cold, and Amos was tired of giving away all his wool. And my kids loved that. And we had an old dog, and his name was Boris. And so sometimes <laughs> Boris is old, and Boris is cold, and we would change the words, you know. Right. And the other, the other book that they loved was Officer Buckle and Gloria okay. by Peggy Rathman, because Officer Buckle is like a safety officer that goes to the school, and, mm-hmm. and Gloria is a dog that goes with him, like a service dog that goes with him. Yeah. Only Gloria is the one that's always telling him, no, no, don't get on the, don't stand on the, on the rolly chair, on the spinning chair. You know, that's <laughs> dangerous. So it was really a fun way for them to learn, you know, and we still joke about, don't stand on the spinning chair. And my kids are in their 20s, my daughters, you know, in her right. early 30s. They remember that both of those books. So. That's amazing. Book, yeah, it is. You really don't know. You really don't that, know what's going to make the difference, and it doesn't have to be, you know, a classic. <laughs> right, right. Well, I love that you said books are powerful, and you don't know which book is going to be the one that can really impact your child. And I know as a mom myself, I want to be the person to introduce that book to my kiddo, you know. Yeah. I want to be there for that moment yeah. and for that transformation. So. 
That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Lori, for sharing everything today. This has been really wonderful. I had never heard of the term bibliotherapy, so I'm excited to dive into (laughs) that. (laughs) That's one of my favorite parts about doing these podcast interviews is getting to meet all these amazing, amazing educators and learning so much from all of you. So thank you again for being here with us today. Thanks for asking me. It was fun. That was a really interesting episode with Lori today. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, Like I mentioned in the end, I have never heard the term bibliotherapy. I've heard of art therapy and music therapy and all kinds of things, but never bibliotherapy. So I'm excited to head on, head on over to Google and check that out and see what that's all about. I loved talking about the difference between a struggling reader and a beginning reader and how all of our students start as beginning readers, right? When they're first learning the alphabet and learning letter sounds and how to manipulate sounds and just all about our language, right? We all start as beginning readers and 60% of students find learning to read challenging. But at some point it does become more than just being a beginning reader. If you are not seeing progress, over the course of the year with your child being able to process and, and learn the sounds and the symbols and how to put them together and all those things, right, then your child may, in fact, fall into a different category of being a struggling reader. So one of the things you can do as a parent is to really help your child to strengthen the sound symbol relationship. Lori shared with us that she loves using Alexia. I know that's a great tool that a lot of schools use and is also available to homeschooling families. And also using a tutor, right? That is one of the great things about online tutoring is that you have access to so many different educators who can help you navigate these skills and help you and you help you and your child figure out sort of where the gaps are and what they need to work on. Um, And reading, read, read, read all the time to your kids. I love that Lori said you should read to your children until they are reading to their children. Um, Often we think of reading out loud to our kids only when they are young, but really we want to continue and develop that culture in your home, right? As a culture of literacy, where you're going to read to your children long past picture books, right? You can read to them all different kinds of things. And it doesn't have to be for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. It could be for five minutes and just taking the time to talk about words and expose them to new books together. So you can be the one to help them find that book that really impacts them and maybe um, helps them to overcome a struggle that they're experiencing. Okay. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Lori. I'll make sure to include some links in the show notes to where you can find her and some of the resources that she shared with us today. Until next time, keep reading. Bye. Hey, it's Ashley and your reading tutor. And I wanted to take a quick minute to tell you about a couple of things I have available right now. I have openings in my private online tutoring practice right now, and I would love to chat with you about how I could help your child. I have limited openings in my schedule, and they don't come up that often, so I wanted to make sure that I let you all know first that I have um, a spot available for a one-on-one tutoring client. I also wanted to let you know that I have begun working with other educators who are interested in starting and growing their own private online tutoring practice. So if that's something you're interested in, make sure you head on over to my Instagram at Your Reading Tutor and send me a message if you're looking for either a tutor for yourself or if you're an educator who is ready to start their own online tutoring business. All right. See you next time.
Thanks so much for listening. And if you know anyone who might be interested in joining us and listening in on my podcast, I would love for you to share it. And I'd also love to connect with you on social. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. All my links are in the show notes. Make sure you head over to my website at www.yourreadingtutor.com to sign up for my newsletter so you'll be notified when new episodes come out and any new promotions or services that I'm offering. You can also find my free signature three-step reading reward system on my website. You'll be able to download it and just get started right away helping your struggling reader to reach their potential. Keep reading. See you next time.